We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Transformative Principle, Episode 86 with Mike Kelly. I am really excited to have Mike Kelly on the podcast today. I met him a few months ago at the Principals Academy in Nashville, Tennessee, and he has been inspiring me ever since. If you have a chance to, please follow him on Twitter at Principal M. Kelly. Mike does a great job of really being thoughtful and helping you recognize that his ideas and the things that he's suggesting are evolutions of thought and not just something new that he's doing. So I really enjoyed my conversation with him today about the end of marking periods and all that went into that in his school and how they are approaching the idea of not having marking periods, which is really exciting to me. All right. Welcome to Transformative Principle. Today, my guest is Michael Kelly, uh, principal in Pennsylvania. Mike, do you want to introduce yourself and uh, tell us about who you are and what you're doing? Sure. Thanks, Jethro. Uh, my name is Mike Kelly, and I'm the principal of Iyer Middle School, which is one of two middle schools in the East Penn School District. We're located in McCungie, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour and a half north of Philadelphia. Our building is a six through eight building with approximately 850 students. Um, it would be classified as suburban. Cool. Um, and uh, you and I met at the Principals Academy conference in February of this year. And um, I, I felt when we met that, uh, that you were an awesome guy and I felt privileged to, uh, to get to know you and we've been chatting on Boxer uh, a lot since then, and you've just been a very inspiring um, person for me to associate with. You've made me want to be better and made me uh, focus on trying to do the best work that I can, and I just want to say thank you for that because it's pretty 
pretty awesome when those things happen. Yeah, I, I appreciate the kind words. And uh, likewise, I would say um, from that Principal Academy, it was really uh, an additional springboard I think I needed to push forward with some ideas and, and new things and the people I was able to connect with, such as yourself, and those that I've connected with since that time have really been uh, such a great way for me to learn and improve what I do, too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, meeting people at those types of events and then being able to continue interacting with them afterward is really quite powerful. Um, so one of the things that you started doing after that was um, blogging, and you've written some really great blog posts since then. What made you decide to to start blogging? Well, um, it was... It stemmed from conversation at the conference about what the purpose of a blog was. Um, and like many things, I think prior, many people, I would say maybe prior to that, um, just a hesitation of adding something new and what the real value of that would be. Um, there's kind of some self doubt as to if I really have a whole lot to say that people want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've heard that from a lot of other bloggers and, and educators who have gotten into it that their initial thought is, well, I'm going to write a bunch of stuff that nobody's going to read. Um, but from what I've learned is it's, it's not necessarily about how many people read it or what the overall impact is, but what it can do for you as a principal, uh, having some ideas you want to reflect upon and share, and then also uh, gaining feedback from other people that do read and interact with it. So that was really the driving force for me to add an additional tool for reflection and gaining feedback for ideas that maybe require more than 140 characters in a tw- Twitter post. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, a lot of what you've written on there um, is does seem like reflection on your part and things, some new ideas that you're just kind of trying to work through some, some perspectives and different things. And, you know, one of the, one of the ones that I really liked was your personal growth mindset experience where you talked about, um, you're trying to make a, a bench or something, I think. And, and you had never done it before. And so you started trying to figure out how to do it. And, you know, it seems like a pretty simple thing, but you really emphasize the um, the the willingness of yourself to continue learning as an adult and not stop just because you don't have a class to take to learn how to build a bench. Right, and and it really for me was a real life example of on demand learning. Uh, there were a lot of correlations I was able to draw from that experience. Um, for example, my wife's confidence level in my ability was much higher than my own. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I kind of connected her with a teacher who believes in a student more than they believe in themselves and how that was an influence on me. Uh, my ability to access and use technology to learn something new at a time when I needed it, which I think is applicable to schools. Um, and then the overall performance and, and growth that I was able to have through that experience um, in in carpentry, I I would guess you would say, um, but correlates directly to experiences I think our students have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I loved was was at the bottom, 
you you mentioned that you had reached proficiency, but you never got to the distinguished, or you were a three, but you were never a four, or you know whatever terms you want to use to describe that. What was cool about it was that you recognize that you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be, you know, a master craftsman to do something like build a bench for your house. And, um, you know, recognizing that really put into perspective for me that, um, that when we're, you know, doing standards based grading and when we're doing, uh, teacher evaluations and getting our own evaluations done, we don't have to be at a level four. Not everybody has to be at a level four. And I think that you demonstrated that very well by showing a good finished product that was was good enough for what you needed and didn't have to be perfect for you to feel very satisfied and accomplished in what you were doing. Right. And 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 as I said, I certainly did not reach the distinguished level, but uh there was there was still a sense of accomplishment in in improving to the point I did. So I think our students uh can still experience that same level of success in school in the same way. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Um you know, the other thing that I really wanted to talk to you about was th this idea of uh of ending marking periods at your school. Why don't you talk about that and tell us um, what what your vision is for that and and why you think that's so important. So my my thinking comes from a lot of different resources and and reading I've done over the course of my time in education and grading practices in which I changed through the course of my education uh, reading people like Marzano and Rick Wormelli and uh, Doug Rees and others and really shape my theory on grading practices. And one of the questions I, I kind of began to ask ourselves as we're not in a position to transition to full standards-based grading, um, but as we incorporate what I like to refer to as standards-based grading practices, such as uh, retesting, redos, uh, the removal of behavior as part of the grade, what barriers are we able to change in the traditional grading model that may enhance those practices? So, And, and do they have a benefit? And uh, not just to do it for the sake of doing it. So one of the things that I really started to think about um, were marking periods. And uh, one example, when we look at the math that, that is used to determine a student's final grade, we weight in our district marking periods equally. So even though one marking period may lose 15 instructional days due to state testing and therefore may only cover half of the amount of standards as another, when those marking period grades get entered, they're, they're given equal weight. And that's really a distortion of the student's academic record as far as I'm concerned. Um, in addition, I think they wind up creating a lot of arbitrary timelines for learning. So even teachers who had employed some really good reteaching and retesting practices, those were sort of being limited by any assessment that was occurring at the end of a marking period because uh, once that deadline was was kind of ingrained in our computer system, that was it. There was no more opportunity to go back. Um, so those are those are just some of the reasons. Um, 
so we thought, what, what's to stop us from just having one continual year-long marking period? What are the, what are the advantages? Um, will they enhance what we consider quality grading practices and grading for mastery over time and allowing students opportunity to go back and relearn and, and re, retest or reassess on any set of skills that they, that they need to? And um, after a few years of working on improving grading practices and discussing this idea with our teachers, we, we identified a grade level we thought would work perfectly, which was our sixth grade, and we began to have this discussion, and all, all the teachers are on board to support uh, trying a pilot in sixth grade, and we are working toward doing that for next year in our district, just in our building for our sixth grade, um, just basically having one continual year-long marking period uh, to really enhance and, and more accurately reflect a student's academic progress and achievement. Okay, so don't we, don't we need to say, like, you have to have this knowledge by a certain point in sixth grade to to be able to have the knowledge by the end of sixth grade, how, how are you reconciling that belief? Well, I, I think when we look at our course standards and objectives, those are year-long objectives. And though we can't teach every objective at all times throughout the year, uh, we do have to set up some sort of same guide and um, provide the majority of the instruction at one point. I think with the ability, use of technology for students to uh, go back and repractice and relearn content, maybe rewatch a video, um, practice skills, formatively assess on, on an ongoing manner that's pretty manageable for a teacher using different uh, online quizzes and remediation tools, I think makes it easy to then go back to a scale uh, and have that accomplished by the end of the school year. I think that's where the deadline still is, still exists, but instead of really forcing it into these single working period 45-day ranges, we, we now extend that range to, to 180 days. Yeah, and, and I personally think that is a, is a great idea. One of, the, one of the concerns that I've heard about this idea is that if we if we make it so that instead of 45 days it's 180 days that just gives the kids more time to continue to not be successful more time to fall behind what what kinds of things are you doing to prevent that from happening that's a great question so one of the programs we have at our school is called the extended learn program and what we do what we've done the last couple of years was employ this program so every six weeks we run a current grading report it's a formal report that gets sent home but something we run in our system and at that at each interval any student who has a d and or an f in any of their courses is required to come and stay after school two days a week um, for this extended learning program and the goal of that program is not uh, not like RTII program that's supposed to work on filling gaps but more so it is to help them uh, close gaps in their grade level content courses so whether that be reaching relearning um, and reassessing during that time so we've kind of 
installed these periodic checks and then interventions in place to to try to not allow students to fall too far behind. And we've been really successful with that. Um, the, the original goal of that was to limit the number of student, uh, student failures and, and need for summer school because I'm not a big supporter of the traditional summer school model. I think if we could respond a lot quicker, we could prevent the need for it. Um, and the last Last year, we had one student in our whole school even qualify for summer school, and only two this year. So, and those numbers used to be a lot higher. So, uh, we have seen an impact on that, and and then students just not falling behind. It, it's not as common anymore. Okay. So, you were talking about this extended learning program after school. How long have you been doing that? And you said that's two days a week that that happens. Yes, um, we've done it for two years now, and it occurs Tuesday and Thursday after school. And one of the things that really allows us to have this program is our district's commitment to providing transportation mm -hmm. later in the afternoon. So those are our days we also uh, prides itself on having throughout the school year at some point uh, close to 50 different after school clubs. So our students are very involved um, in different things after school and one, some of them are academic programs such as our extended learning program or ELP as we call it and students are able to stay Tuesday and Thursday. They are in small groups working with uh, teachers from our building. Um, who communicate with those students. They, they have the student lists and they communicate with their teachers on an ongoing basis to find out uh, things they need, things they need to refresh on, um, additional instruction. And those are the lead facilitators. But then those students in that program, their teachers will stop by after school as well and just make sure uh, they have everything they need and support them as well. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. So I student will be working in a specific academic area with a teacher, but not necessarily with the teacher that they have. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, so they're able to do these clubs after school or do the extended learning program. And then anybody who wants to stay can stay and the district provides transportation. And then some kids go home and choose not to participate in that. Correct. Correct. Um, our extended learning program, we do, we do sort of require them to attend. Um, we have tremendous parent support for the program. We really haven't had any parent um, whose child was eligible say that they don't want their child to attend or, or mm -hmm. they don't support. They really are very thankful that we offer such a program. So we've pretty much had 100% attendance for students that qualified. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And, you know, I think uh, one of the things that I often hear is that, well, parents won't support that because they want their kids to do, you know, sports and activities and, and other things. And, you know, if you really do it, parents really want their kids to be successful in school. And if you have actual measures, which it sounds like you do, that say your kid's not succeeding and we need them to succeed and this is what we're doing to help them succeed – that sounds like a really good way to get kids involved and have them um, have their parents be on board also. Right. And I think the other selling point is that uh, this is a six-week period. 
So the motivation is um, we're going to help and support you to improve uh, over the course of this six weeks. And if your grades reflect that improvement, you now are qualified out of the program. And then you can continue coming and doing clubs or you can just go home at the end of the regular school day. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that sounds like a pretty good way to to work that. Um, how do you deal with the the scheduling of all those kids and the um, making sure the right kids are in the right places? Um, we haven't had a major problem with that. Mm -hmm. um, there were a couple students that had to be, uh, and then really when I say a couple, it may have been one or two that had to be kind of escorted by the teacher from their last class of the day down to their extended learning program class. Mm -hmm. um, but every, everything as far as organization is done through the use of Google Docs and it's shared out with the faculty so all the students, teachers know who they are and where they're supposed to be. Um, we communicate with the students clearly. We have a meeting with them mm -hmm. uh, when they first qualify and review expectations and goals and uh, we really haven't had much issue with it. That's good. Um, what is the perception of that extended learning program? Do kids feel like it's where all the dumb kids go, or do they feel like it's good for them to have that help? I'll be honest. Initially, they don't like it. They don't like to be sort of singled out. They don't mm -hmm. like the fact that they're struggling academically. I mean, no student really enjoys being in that place, I feel. Um, but we have gotten student feedback um, at the end of either the six weeks or some students that have been in longer that have said, I really would not have been able to succeed without this program. And the idea is that, um, you know, we have time, learning, and support. And I think the, uh, Rick Dufour speaks about this in his book, Whatever It Takes. Mm -hmm. um, and when, when time and support are the constants, the learning is going to be the variable. And really what we try to do is change and make the learning be the constant and the time and support be the variable. And this program just offers that additional time and support that vision or, or thought with the students that listen to think that 100% of the students are going to obtain this level of learning 100% of the time in the same in the same way and in the same amount of time is really an unrealistic goal. So the fact that you may need some extra time or support is is likely to happen at some point to every student. So um, that's really one of the focuses of, of the program is to make time and support the variable and still have the learning be the constant. Yeah, absolutely. And and what's cool is that we're we're still talking about the idea of not having marking periods and you can't just say, let's not have marking periods. You need to have things in place to make that a real possibility. And, and you've obviously done that. And, and it's really cool to hear how, you know, things you put in place a couple of years ago are now making it a lot easier for you to justify this move to, to not having marking periods. And, and I think that that is really cool, um, to, to see how you're building on things to make them most effective. How did how did the no marking periods thing happen? I mean, obviously you've been thinking about it for a while. You posted about it, I think, in April sometime. And now here you are looking at doing it um, with your sixth grade team this year. Uh, what did that process look like? And, and how did you 
negotiate through that um, process to make it happen? Well, uh, first, I, I, I really felt like we had to be ready. We had to have instructional and assessment practices at a place where we felt comfortable doing this. Um, all our grades are online, so they can be checked in real time at any time. So we don't send paper report cards home anymore. We stopped doing that a few years ago. I, I think that would have been a major hurdle if we still sent paper report cards home. Um, so just the communication of practices and then sharing the idea with the teachers and gaining their feedback um, really allowed them to see the pros and cons and see the benefits of it. They They all felt like they were sort of uh, handcuffed in some ways with some of their assessment and instructional practices by marking periods. So they uh, seeing the removal and what that did for them was a benefit. So they they really uh, jumped on board pretty pretty easily. Um, and then it was a matter of sharing this idea with our administrate our central administration, um, talking about the pros and cons, which which we always should do. What's the impact? What are parents going to ask? What are the concerns? What's what's really going to change when we do this? Um, and then gaining their support and moving forward, just finalizing a few things before we make this happen this fall. Mm -hmm. And and what has the the parent concerns and support been like thus far? Well, I, I think the parent concerns will be uh, some traditional things that go away. Um, we still award uh, honor roll, for example, at the end of each marking period. So mm -hmm. students in sixth grade would no longer have that uh, option. They would receive an honor roll if they qualified at the end of the school year. Mm -hmm. um, so th those type of things. Um, we still have parent meetings planned uh, to communicate and share this. Uh, before the school year and then also during the school year, during back-to-school night. Um, so we're going to gain more parent input and feedback then. Mm -hmm. um, these are ideas we've shared with uh, small parent groups to kind of gain their initial reaction and feedback. Sure. And I think when you kind of talk through it and share really what the benefits are for the children, uh, you're giving students more opportunities to learn um, in more ways. Um, so their grade then will accurately reflect their, their knowledge and learning over time. Um, I think once you're able to communicate that and they can see that, um, it becomes, it becomes more of a, a selling point. Yeah, absolutely. Has, yeah, I think it just, you have to show how it benefits kids and, and you have to believe in that as an administrator, you know, as a leader and your teachers certainly have to believe in this. If, if I didn't have their support, this is not, not something we would move forward with. Sure. Absolutely. Um, how, how did you gain the teacher support? What did you do to, um, to bring them along with you? Well, I, I think that's something that's evolved over time. Um, it, initially it was introducing, uh, small ideas as, as far back as four years ago, uh, resources and articles such as the power of zero and, uh, retesting and redo articles, um, and, and really having them evaluate assessment and grading practices over time. We've done different activities where uh, we examine the total points method of grading. We, we examined uh, their grading of behaviors such as 
participation or work ethic or the awarding of points for things that aren't necessarily reflective of the student's uh, academic performance in relation to standards. So a lot of those conversations and exercises and activities r over the past four years that really laid the groundwork leading up to this past, I think, spring where we introduced the idea and they just, by that time, it really just became the next natural transition step. It wasn't uh, a shocking new, um, mm -hmm. new idea. Yeah, it's a, it's a shocking new idea to um, people who hear about it on the outside, but it's not a shocking new idea to you who have been working on this for, for many years, not just, you know, since April when you published a blog post about it, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. And I, I think that's so powerful. Um, I, I really appreciate your, your time today. Um, the last question I ask every principal is what's one thing, a, a, a principal can do to be a transformative principal like you? Uh, I believe it is surrounding yourself with other transformative leaders. Um, and they do not all have to be administrators. They could be teachers within your building. Mm -hmm. uh, but always be willing to listen and learn from other people because there's just an endless supply of learning that can occur when you do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for your time. How can people get in touch with you and learn more from you? Certainly they could follow me on Twitter uh, at Principal M. Kelly. Um, and that's probably the easiest way for them to find me and certainly uh, shoot me a message and I'd be happy to discuss anything anybody wants to discuss. Yep. Thank you so much again for your time. I really appreciate it and I love learning so much from you every time we interact. Thank you, Jethro. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Transformative the. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Transformative Principle. My name is Jethro Jones, and I hope that you've enjoyed listening to this. If you could take a minute and you did enjoy listening to it, I have two things I'd like to ask you to do. Number one, please follow this podcast on social media and share it with your friends. Number two, in the show notes for this episode, there's a little questionnaire that asks you what thing you're struggling most with as a principal right now. And if you could take a minute and answer that for me, I'd really appreciate it. And it'll help me find guests who have the skill set to deliver information that will help you get better at the thing you're struggling with. Thanks so much for listening to Transformative Principle. Next week, I'll be interviewing Henry Turner, who's going to talk to us about getting a job as a principal and how to go through that process of a site visit where the interviewing committee from the other school comes to your current school, which I thought was a crazy idea. So stay tuned for that. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals.
That's IXL.com slash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.